Hello and welcome. You're listening to It's a Groom's Life with Carly O'Brien. Hello and welcome to a new episode of It's a Groom's Life. And today I have with me, and I've just been practicing her name, so bless her if I get it wrong. So it's Eva Moranova. I think I got it right. Did I get it right? More or less, yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. Um, so she's going to be, she's, well, she's obviously going to tell us more about it, but um, Eva is a riding coach, but there's lots of other things that we're going to be talking about as well. But firstly, I would like to say, hello, Eva, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. <laughs> A pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So would you mind um, starting from like the very beginning? So how um, have you always been into horses? Was it something that you went into later in life? And how did your um, sort of career start with the equestrian world? Uh, sure. So basically, I was one of those, you know, annoying little girls that loved horses ever since I remember. Even though my family is not from the horsey industry, you know, they really don't have anything to do with horses. But I've always had a little like pet herd of ponies when I was little, and I would always pester everyone just to put me on a horse if there was one walking past our house. So that's how you know it all started. I always loved horses, and you know, when I was old enough to start riding you know, my parents would just take me to a riding school every two weeks. And that's, you know, all I would get. That's where I got my initial education as a rider. Um, and uh, I didn't really consider it as a career, to be honest with you, just because uh, where I'm from, uh, which is the Czech Republic, the industry is not really that developed or it wasn't at the time. So I didn't really think that that's going to be a career that's going to be, you know, sustainable or interesting or financially, you know, sustainable mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't really until I moved to England and I did my degree here and you know my degree first degree is in economics so nothing to do with horses and uh, I actually got a part-time job at eventing yard when I was at uni and I just thought you know what great like I get paid better money than in a call center I get to do like just riding horses and you know be outside Uh, so that's when I really just sort of started to understand how the industry set up here and how many different options you have so you know I just started as a part-time groom at an event yard and then went into it full-time got my qualifications so I got my BHS AI uh, later on and you know then states in the industry in different you know variations so I worked as a groom as a coach as a yard manager and I really focus mostly on coaching these days uh, that's really the main passion and my main drive Excellent. And uh, well, your English is probably much better than mine. And you're not even from here. But you're, you, it really sounds like you don't have an accent or anything at all. So I don't know. Is that just something that's just lost because you've been here for so many years or? Um, I, I do think I have an accent. You know, it's just people struggle to place it. So unless they see my surname, which the OVA, OVA ending will give away that, you know, there's an Eastern European name. Yeah. Um, you know, normally I let people guess where I'm from because it's really fun. <laughs> do they always get like, do you have like a common area where people will get you from? No, I just get really random ones because they go like, oh, your English is very good, you know, yeah. and I just remember like the My Fair Lady, you know, oh, she must be a foreign princess thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. 
But no, uh, anything like really random things, it's just people, people can't really place it because it doesn't sound um, as strong as some other like Eastern European accents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the only time I've ever been to the Czech Republic is the tourist city of Prague, which I absolutely loved. It's such a beautiful city. And I know it's a very tourist area, but it like I love architecture and things like that there. And it's got so much beautiful buildings and things and the people are so nice and the food's so yummy. So um, that's sort of my experience of the Czech Republic. And it was absolutely stunning. Yeah, Prague, I mean, I am obviously biased a little bit, but I think it's a beautiful, beautiful city to, you know, to live in or go and visit. Yeah, really definitely. Different. So let's talk about um, your career like now, I guess. So obviously um, you are um, a coach. Um, so what sort of, um, what, what sort of like a typical client of yours are you from like say a lead own pony up to like an inventor have you got quite a varied client base uh it is varied obviously I first started at riding schools and that's you know what a lot of us coaches get our first experience you just teach lots of groups and private lessons in riding schools and you know that'll be most of the people who well just like me when I was little you know they just get that once a week riding time and it's it's like the highlight of their week so mm. that's I used to do as a, at the start um, now most of my coaching is private clients so I would say my clients are mostly people that have just one horse is their hobby horse or they might just compete at low level um, you know I would say my main specialism is in that correct position in biomechanics uh, and it's a little bit more dressage driven but you know I teach a variety of people they might show jump they might do show showing but it's mostly out there I'll call it ambitious amateur rider. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've all got to start somewhere and we all got to have goals, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's great. They're, they're great. They just want to do the best for their horses. You know, they, they want to have fun with their horses and that's what you want, really. And do you offer like um, clinics and things like that or do you just stick to sort of the one-to-one -one clients now? Uh, yeah, sure. So most of the minute it's private clients just because also I'm doing a PhD the moment as well which is taking up a lot of my time um but clinics is something that you know i want to start doing again once uh my schedule is a bit quieter so that's something that i would like to develop a little bit more excellent and yeah let's talk about because you, you were talking about that just before we started recording about your phd and obviously it's something you're really starting to get passionate about and you wanted to learn more so can you tell us more what your phd is in and why you chose that and what you're getting out of the degree um, yeah, absolutely. So my PhD is uh, focused on the use of gait analysis uh, in horses and uh, basically we evaluate uh, kinematics. So that's the movement of the horse um, and looking a lot at the movement symmetry and, you know, how that's different for lame horses, non-lame horses and how the movement symmetry can be influenced by different factors like surface and movement in a circle. Uh, so that is basically three years of my life, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and why did you want to choose that one uh, so I suppose I wasn't necessarily an expert or particularly seeking this particular topic um, I just I just love learning <laughs> uh, I just love learning and uh, this PhD was actually funded so there are not that many equestrian or equine based PhDs that are also funded mm. around 
like there is so very few of them. So when I saw this one uh, and it's sort of aligned with the biomechanics focus of mine as well and, you know, use of technology and how we can incorporate that maybe in coaching as well. So although my PhD is a bit more on the clinical side, uh, you know, I can see how I could apply that to, to my coaching. And then have you noticed that maybe your teaching has changed slightly since you started doing your PhD? Do you find that you've noticed things slightly differently in the horse's movement that you may not have noticed as much beforehand? Um, that's a very good point. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I noticed some things more, but I'm more aware of how limited we are sometimes at noticing things and how the whole, whole horse will interact in terms of even just the head and the pelvis and how that influence for different things and how valuable it is actually to have some objective tools so that we can check how that horse is moving over time and validate what we are seeing or what we think what we are seeing sometimes really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess because every horse is different, isn't it? So you have to adapt it to that particular horse and how they move. It's not like you can just do it on a breed or a type or anything. You have to adapt it for that particular horse, wouldn't you? Um, yes, absolutely. You know, so in a perfect world, we will all have perfectly symmetrical horses and riders but that's that's not the case and uh, I think one of the main advantages of having these gait analysis tools that are now becoming you know much more affordable and available even to wider equestrian community is that actually you can establish that baseline for your own horse and track it over time so that then if something changes you can notice it yeah you have some yeah. objective number to it whereas you know, right now we're just relying on our eyes and we know that the human eye can only notice like a certain degree of asymmetry. Anything that's smaller than that, we just cannot pick it up. Mm. And also informing, you know, the vets, if they come, the vet comes and sees your horse, they will only see them when there is a problem, not necessarily knowing what their normal movement pattern is. Yeah. So I think that's where it's, you know, really valuable and, you know, Currently, it's getting more, you know, filtered through to the industry. Uh, but I think, especially in the next five years, it's going to probably move on quite a bit. That you might even be able to do things like that with your phone, which will be, you know, super exciting. Oh, absolutely, definitely. And I was going to ask you about the rider because, as horsey people, we are always putting the horses first, giving them the best nutrition, best supplements, getting their back done, getting a massage done, getting all of this done but we will never do anything for ourselves, but we need to be just as symmetrical as what our horse is. Otherwise it kind of, it's, it's defeating the object, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think that's where, you know, the coaching comes in as well. Normally when I start coaching new combinations, the first thing I'll address is the rider. <laughs> yeah. And then if we can address the rider, normally the horse will start going better and then you can start improving the horse. Um, but also I think the other thing that's happening in the industry, which I think is really, really great, is having a bit more holistic approach to it, like having different professionals working together. So you might have like physios working with coaches and doing clinics, which is incredibly valuable because I can't be an expert at everything. Like, no. You know, I just, I've just been doing PhD for the last three years on a very small specific areas. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's great that people are now working with physios and trying to sort of address the rider as well, not just on the horse, but also off the horse, because obviously we can't 
fix everything in that session. Mm. I absolutely need riders to be working off the booth if there is any limitation. And, you know, I think it's happening more and more and more people are aware. So education absolutely is, is key. I think you're right too. And I think people, I find um, Pilates seems to be a key thing that a lot of riders are finding that are helpful. Obviously, like with your stamina, keeping fit and sort of like weight training, things like that will help with um, towards your training as well. But I think with Pilates, I think that, I think that's really sort of up and coming, especially in the last sort of five years. I think a lot of Pilates are coming through, which um, I think is really helping riders um, and I think riders are sort of starting to accept that they do need and it's OK for them to look after themselves as well um, and not just grin and bear it. Like it's important to look after themselves as well. And it's not just for riding, it's for everyday life as well. It's, it's doing all the yard chores and going to work and, and whatever the other your uh, you know aspects of your life. It's not just for riding. It's going gonna, it's gonna to impact the rest of your day to day life. Absolutely. And I think you're so right, because especially in this industry, you know, we, we do like to be tough yeah. on ourselves, you know, because it is like the long hours, it is physical job. And I think that's also changing. And I think that's a positive change that people are beginning to look after themselves and not just normalize working crazy hours and being proud of it. Because, you know, I was a groom like that for many years, working six days, 10 hours a day or more, but it's not sustainable. And we shouldn't be pointing fingers at people that actually want to have a balance because there's nothing wrong with that. Even if I love my job, I still want to have some time off and, and have some time to recover because if physically it is a very, very hard job. Yeah. And that and throughout this podcast and obviously other people that I've, you know, I'm friends with in the industry and things like that, and from myself, like being a groom, when I first started, you know. I could manage a lot more than what I can now. And I've just have to accept that I need to cut back. I can't, I can't, I can't physically do it as, as much as I used to be able to do it. And that I've had to cut back and almost be selective of who my clients are now, because um, not because I, you know, like you say, I'm not enjoying it, but physically I just, you know, <laughs> I'll get to the point where getting up the sofa and out of bed is turning into a bit of a struggle. <laughs> you just, you don't want to get to that point, do you? When you're like in your late thirties and you're thinking, oh God, I've still got like another 30 years of work and I can't, I can't maintain that. It's just impossible. Absolutely. And, and that is a valid point. And I do see changes in the industry, although I do not work as a groom anymore because you know I've got so many other things that I'm doing um, but I do see more jobs that you know offer better hours and really think about what they're offering to the grooms as well apart from oh we'll give you money and some dodgy room to sleep in you know <laughs> it's not enough yeah. yeah I think I think you're totally right I think um with organizations like the British Groom Association and things like that they are very good at um highlighting and um and, you know showing that you know employees do need to have proper contracts they need to have pay you know at, um, proper breaks and proper holidays and things like that and it's not like how it used to be as a groom where you would like you say you would do six seven days a week working 10 hours a day every week and barely having any time off like those sort of days are coming to an end now um, and I think employees are sort of realizing that you know 
least if you look after your grooms you, the grooms are going to look after you and your horse not that they wouldn't anyway but do you know what I mean like you need to look after your staff um and yeah I think you're right there is some really big a big movement in the equestrian industry which is fantastic and it's not like you've got to work hard and you know work to the bone it's like you like you say you can have that work-life balance now which is much much better for everyone yeah absolutely and you know it is give and take from both sides you know we do understand we look after animals and and sometimes the hours are going to be longer or you might have to stay for whatever reason but then you do expect something in return and you know I've worked for some really really great people as well in the past so you know we're not saying that everyone is bad absolutely not but we've had these horror stories and there's some really great people around that still call me if they're really stuck and someone, you know, is calling in sick or whatever. And, you know, if I can help them out because they looked after me, even though I don't actually offer that service anymore, mm. then I will because they looked after me and I know they'll be fair and I know the job is manageable. So absolutely, it's a two-way thing. You know, that's where you'll retain your staff and you will attract the good people because they will, we are all hardworking people. We don't go into horsey industry. <laughs> Thinking it's easy. <laughs> Uh, but as you say you know we can't just have grooms coming in at the age of 17 18 and then leaving when they're 25 partially broken that's Mm. that's okay yeah absolutely and um I wanted to sort of ask you with sort of coaching tips and I I guess this is going to be quite a vague question so I'm not sure how you're going to answer it but are there any sort of coaching tips that you could give people um that or things that they could do on the grounds that maybe will help them therefore help their horse when they're riding it's quite vague isn't it it's quite a hard question to answer <laughs> um yeah I mean that's that's a valid question um I think just being a little bit more aware of what you do and that's just not just on a horse but also off the horse you know notice which way is easier for you to turn, uh, which hip is tighter, which leg is more stable, which leg is stronger. Um, because most of the time horses are like trying the hardest for us. You know, they really try to understand what on earth we want from them. And they do a fantastic job. You know, <laughs> like I really yeah. don't understand how on earth they interpret all our signals. And, you know, they do an amazing job. So. It's just sometimes just slowing things down, you know, noticing what's happening with your body, noticing what your horse is trying to tell you as well, because we sometimes get into this sort of uh, mindset of like, oh, I have to be like very workmanlike on a horse, you know, I need to make this horse do something, but actually try to read your horse a little bit more and try to work in partnership. Like, why can't he do that rather than like, why don't you do it for me? you know and that really flips your perspective because that's what I always try to do as a coach and a rider I'm like trying to understand how I can make it easier for the horse how I can like make them succeed if that makes sense yeah definitely my um because I well I have sporadic lessons because I have to sort of fit it around work so unfortunately I don't ride as often as I should but she always makes a valid point because she knows me far too well. And she always says, you, you like in my mindset, I'm always two steps ahead and I never deal with what's happening at that particular moment or how that, how that movement's feeling at that moment. I'm trying to think about where I need to be ahead. And so she's like, just, just slow down and just be in the moment and just think about what's happening now and how could you improve it now? Because what you improve now is 
what you will achieve later in those two steps ahead so um so it's quite hard <laughs> but i'm trying to practice of being in the moment and just feeling and just thinking right how can i make this better what can i do to adjust it what am i doing that could sort of is there anything i could do to improve the movement um and things like that so i thought that was quite a good tip just to be in the moment and not keep thinking about like if you're jumping trying to think three fences ahead or things like that obviously you do but like also be present as well yeah and you know i think that's why i really love riding because i have to be present and i have to really just like focus on that one thing because we live in a world when everything is like thrown at us and we have to process so many things you know and if you're a parent you're thinking about like uh, what lunches do my kids have or if you are a lecturer or a student whatever it is you always like have five or hundred tabs open you know in your browser in your brain but actually when I ride like it's a really nice moment for me just to really focus on that one thing and I'm really mm. not thinking about anything else which is great because like that really hardly ever happens in my life <laughs> just zone out time but it's good therapy as well isn't it that's what why loads all of us do it isn't it it's just the therapy like you say of just having you know that time to be us and and be with our horse and just enjoying it yeah and I think sometimes you know we forget and, that, and that sometimes that's what I have to remind my students and you know it's we're not just coaches you know we say sometimes like it's we're like therapists but cheaper yeah yeah because <laughs> sometimes you just have to remind people like why are you doing this like you do it because you love it you love your horse and and like just try to remember that like everything else is irrelevant yeah oh i love that um okay so as we're sort of finishing um or rounding up the podcast episode i like to have this as like an open space where you can talk about anything that you want to talk about so if it's um anything to do with your phd your coaching anything in the equestrian world anything that you're passionate about that you really want to have your um opinion on or point across this is your space that you can talk about anything you like Ooh, the hardest thing you can do to anyone when you say you can talk about anything <laughs> like people come up to me and say like hey, can you say something in Czech and you go like like what uh, <laughs> um you know I think we actually discussed so many things already that sort of cover quite a wide range um and I think if there is anything I'd like to talk about that we haven't maybe mentioned it's just like about people thinking about you know their progression within the industry because sometimes I think grooms can be very much stuck you know like oh I'm just a groom uh but just like try to do different things and even if you like go and work as a groom try to work at the beginning of your career maybe for different yards so that you figure out what it is that you really like mm. because I think that's fine at the beginning and then as you go and grow a bit older you know you refine what you liked what you didn't like is there anything that else you would like to explore and you know I went from a groom and I worked here and I worked in the US and Portugal and Italy and I came back here and it's just I took chances because I just wanted to learn different things and see different things and I think sometimes you know we're a bit scared to change mm. and we might miss out on something so you know there's things that you can do even as a groom just like exploring different industries talking to different people and you know you don't have to be stuck like talk to other people see what's out there you know now I'm doing a PhD I never thought I could do a PhD in horses I didn't know that existed when I was younger you know I didn't even thought that I could have this career ever (laughs) 
so yeah, that's I think the only thing that you know maybe just flows from the previous conversation we had about job yeah. rooms. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely love that. And it's just seizing the opportunities, isn't it? If you see an opportunity, you know, take the leap of faith and just go for it. It could be the best opportunity. It could not. It could not be what you expected, but it doesn't matter because you still got some kind of experience from it. Um, so yeah, and like you say, if if you're in a groom and just don't think, oh, I'm just a groom. Like you're not just a groom. You you're doing a great job, and. And if you see other opportunities or if you hear like opportunities and you feel that's the right fit for you, then go for it. Absolutely go for it. Oh, I love that ending towards the end of the podcast. What a good positive note to end on. I absolutely love it. Thank you. Um, so I always finish my podcast with some quick fire questions. So generally, are you a night in or a night out type of person? Ooh. I think for the last three years we've all been night in people, right? Yeah, literally everyone said night in. I think. I know I like a good night out. Don't get me wrong, uh, but I can't really pull out more than like two nights out in a row anymore. You know, I'm not 25 anymore. No, no, definitely not. One night and then it's three days recovery. <laughs> you know it. Uh, tea or coffee? Uh, coffee, hundred percent. Um, wellies or heels? Gotta be wellies, right? Well, <laughs> you do like a bit of heel. Well, the one thing you don't know about me is that I actually used to dance salsa on like a semi-pro level, so I don't <gasps> have to work heels. But obviously, I don't wear them around the yard for obvious reasons. No, <laughs> so that's why I'm a bit stuck. I'm like, oh, you know, I've got like space in my wardrobe for both. <laughs> oh, okay, no, that's good. Oh, but I do feel like there should be, you know. The, you know strutting our stuff on hills or in a yard would be quite glamorous wouldn't it but it's just not um, practical yeah you know what we used to joke in one of the yards where i used to work that people in offices have got like a dress down friday and we're like well we should have a dress up friday. dress up <laughs> could you imagine if we all dressed up in like fancy dresses and that trying to muck out <laughs> i would love that though. we should do that though um are you a sweet or savory person sweet yeah, I think everyone's sweet in the question. <laughs> we need that chocolate. We need those sweets. We need the sugar to keep you going. Um, lastly, are you a book or a film type person? Probably a book. Yeah. Are there any books that you could recommend or any books you're reading at the minute? Well, you know what? Most of my stuff reading at the minute is just like reading research papers. So I wouldn't say necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I could recommend it to people as a bedtime reading because you're probably going to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's probably a lot to take in just before you go to bed yeah maybe <laughs> oh excellent well thank you so much Eva for coming on um would you mind telling us where we can find you do you have a website your social media handles can you tell us where we can find you yeah absolutely so on social media you can find me under um empowered equitation and that's both on facebook and uh instagram and also my website, the same thing. It's just www.empoweredequitation.co.uk. Or if you want to link up with me on LinkedIn, if you are sort of interested in more the research side of things, because that's where I mostly publish 
uh, some of my research driven posts, then you can go on that. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much how you can reach me. And I'm based in Hertfordshire. So if you're anywhere around this area, uh, you know, and you're up to some coaching or looking at your position or just talking about research, uh, you can find me here. Lovely. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I've loved her chat and I find it a really empowering, which is perfect for you, empowering chat. So I absolutely loved it. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Pleasure. And always, as always, guys, if you love this episode, please screenshot and share and tag Eva and I. We would really, really appreciate it. And I'll speak to you all on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it as I did making it. If you um, like to follow me on socials, my um, Instagram is Cobbs Equine Services and the same on Facebook, Cobbs Equine Services. Um, if you are listening to this on your um, Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast, I really appreciate it if you could leave me a review as it gets um, other people to highlight the um, episodes to other people. And I will speak to you all on the next episode.